Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. It is time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Here at your picks for week two, Overreaction Sunday. Here at you live on a Saturday night, September the 15th, 2018. I'm Dre, he's Jay. It's always fun week two picking the football games for the NFL. Just everyone in a froth, uh, frothy lather about the results of week one and how much do you apply to week two. This team is dead because they were terrible in week one. This team is great because they were awesome in week one, and there's no way that it could be any other way than exactly how it played out in week one. Some of the spreads reflect that. A couple of them don't, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, Jay, we got started for week two on Thursday night uh, with a game that I don't know if there's too much to talk about because that seemed to be over pretty early. But speaking of overreaction theater, the Cincinnati Bengals are now 2-0. and Bengals yeah. going to the Super Bowl, right? Well, they're guaranteed to have sole possession of first place after this week, right? Hey, that's something. Because Cleveland and Pittsburgh, by virtue of the tie, uh, you know, either one of them win, or if they both should happen to win, they, the best they could be is half a game back of the first place Cincinnati Bengals. They are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Bengals going to the Super yeah. Bowl. And, and, of course, I fell into the trap of picking the Ravens, even though you knew better because it would be just so Ravens of them to put up a yeah, I, I deserve that because w- wouldn't that just be per- – I called it on the show too. I said, yeah, that would be pretty Ravens of them to destroy Buffalo 47-3 to and then lay an egg against uh, Cincinnati. And they did. They, 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 Joe Fla- I'm sorry. You know, we talked about Joe Flacco and, well, he's got these three new weapons and things really – they could have they, – uh, this offseason the Ravens could have signed Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, and Terrell Owens. And they would have lost that game against Cincinnati. Joe Flacco was just terrible. So, again, which Joe Flacco is the real Joe Flacco? Is it the one we got against Buffalo or is it the one we got against Cincinnati? So we're going to have overreactions even coming off of that game going into week three. And, and again, they righted the ship in the second half. They tried to make the game competitive. But they just just couldn't. They they dug dug themselves too big of a hole. And Aaron Rodgers isn't the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, so they weren't able to come back. Well, so if you called, sort of called the Ravens doing that to themselves and to anyone yeah. who picked them, uh, and you didn't go with them anyway. In other words, you, you kind of fell into a little bit of a hole. Yeah. It's a trap. Kind of yeah, fell into a little trap. Got myself. I believe. I believed that they had. Unlike, although. I should probably not put I, – I am I am going to have a rule the rest of this year that I will take nothing away from any result pertaining to the Buffalo Bills the rest of this year. They're done. <laughs> uh, I'm racing up and down the, the soundboard early. Uh, 
this week. Yeah, the the Ravens are uh, not the Ravens, but the Bills once again having to go to another new quarterback after giving yeah. our our guy, <laughs> our, our our favorite guy Nathan Peterman another chance, and oh. once again getting yanked after a half. And now they got to go to the project, and he's the opener. It, it works in baseball. Oh no. It's, it's going to be like the Tampa Bay Rays yeah. are going to go to Nathan, the bullpen in yeah. the second quarter. Nathan Peterman's going to come in and just play the first drive of every game, and then it'll be a bullpen game after that for the quarterbacks. They're going to have six quarterbacks on the Bills roster. So you declared the Bills already after we, the earliest I can ever remember, the first FedEx mail-it-in team. You have already declared that the Bills are now I'm done. Completely I, I believe – I believe the earliest is one year I declared the Eagles done before the season even started. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was uh, when they yeah. made a big deal they, out of signing yep. Namdi Asamoah, their big free agent acquisition. Yeah, well, they, no, that was the year they tried to sign, like, everybody. And yeah. I, I remember, because that was back in the blog days, and I remember writing an article basically like, yeah, the Eagles just did all this, and they're not going to amount to anything. So I oh and, oh and then I also I th- they weren't the team that I had done before the season started I think that was actually the Bengals one year where we had them completely done uh, before this like they were actually quitting before the season started and we ended up being right about it so this is pretty early though for an in season FedEx mail it in team this is as early as I think it's gotten in season yeah as far as that Thursday night game with the Ravens Bengals I. I'm not going to even try to bullshit and, and pretend like that I had an eye on it. It, it, it. Twenty-one to nothing. I was. I was. I was done. I was. <laughs> I was out. Of, I was finished with that now game. Now I'm done. Because I, I don't bail on every single game in which a team goes up twenty-one to nothing. Yeah. But if it seems like the the team that's down has no chance to come back, then then I do most of the time yeah. bail out. And the way the Ravens play, it wasn't just Flacco. That was some of the worst defensive effort you will ever see on those AJ Green touchdowns. Uh, oh, one yeah. of them he made a he made a pretty good play, but the other two, the one where he caught the slant and ran through everybody. AJ Green is yeah. thirty years old, and he wasn't yeah. a four two forty athlete coming out of college back when he was twenty one. Right. There's no reason for him to slice through you like that, well, except it looked like the Ravens already had sort of started to quit off it. Already. I know exactly which play you're talking about. That wasn't even as much of a slant as it was more of a of a like a a hook almost because he stopped to catch the ball. And it made, but that's how and bad then it was able it made to it look like a field. slant. It made it, yeah, yeah. But then by where he caught like the he ball, by actually stopping and catching the ball, and then had four dudes try to tackle him and miss, and then pretty much just walk the rest of the way into the end. Yeah, that that was embarrassing. That was really bad. And then the third touchdown, which was a, a hook in the end zone, but the, whoever the cornerback was, I don't even remember right now, playing five yards off of him in the end zone. Um, yeah. You kind of don't need to do that because he's already at the fucking goal line. You might want to get up a little bit closer to him. Yeah, considering a guy is playing out on the outside, you actually have two extra defenders called the sideline and the back line. So you, you may want to actually be in front of, of him. Yeah. <laughs> so well, he, he was... had to give him space. He was worried he might make a move. <laughs> All that space upfield uh, past <laughs> the back of the end zone. Yeah. yeah gotta make sure you're defending that. You got a solid 10 yards that you could run around in the end zone after you catch the ball. You just didn't want him to utilize any of that. Well, he didn't. He did his job, I suppose. Yeah. 
So yeah, that was a that that game happened. You get you get the game up on me. I I, I don't feel it's hard to feel terrible about it. It, it. It's still early in the season. You were still feeling things out. So I did not expect the Ravens to look that inept coming out in the first half. Um, I don't know if it was that the Buffalo game was so easy. They just thought they had to show up and, and, and they could just turn it on, but no, nothing was working for them. And Flacco was throwing some really ugly picks. Very, very Joe Flacco esque. Right. The whole team kind of looked like they, they looked at themselves in week one and said, wait a minute, yeah. we're not that good. Yeah, yeah and then Joe, and Joe Mixon gets dinged up a bunch of times in that game, and then you realize that, oh, yeah, the Bengals still have Giovanni Bernard, and he's pretty good. He's had his moments throughout his career, so, yeah, that's he a nice rested. little backup to go to. He looked rusty. Yeah, you, you could do a lot worse for a backup running back than Gio Bernard, who used to be a – a very productive starter in the league. So yeah, no, Cincinnati didn't lose a beat there. In fact, he kind of gave them that extra, that sort of speed element out of that position. And uh, looks like Mixon's uh, gone for up to a month now. Yeah. It's going to be the Bernard show to keep this Bengals momentum going. Uh, You, you, we don't believe it folks. We we know better. Come on. We know better. It's the yeah, remember, I know I have a postseason award for it happened this season, but it feels like it happened years ago. It, it may be the award for that goes to the. Remember when the Cincinnati Bengals were undefeated? Remember they were two and zero. Everybody was remember they were, them up like they were all alone in, they were all alone in first place. You remember yeah. way so, back when? So, yeah, let's. I guess we can get to it. We don't have a whole lot, uh, a whole lot of depth that we need to sort of glean out of that game. No, I think we we gleaned all we could. I know I gleaned all I could because again, I didn't watch after twenty one nothing. I have no <laughs> I idea what happened. I watched it. I watched it into the maybe the late third, early part of the fourth quarter. Oh, I want to make one point about the game. Yes, I I, I almost I, I, it's going to hurt me to say this, but I actually wasn't annoyed by Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, and I realized why. They weren't calling they were, Cowboys game. They were calling an AFC game. Ah. They were actually forced to call a football game, and you could tell that neither one of them had a rooting interest, and they weren't right. terrible. Joe, Joe, Joe Buck still oversimplified everything. He, he really does let the action speak, and then he just kind of goes and, and throws out a, a two-word phrase to tell you kind of what happened. So he's not really giving you a lot, but I actually didn't – I wasn't annoyed by Troy Aikman. And, yeah, yeah. End zone. But, yeah, when you, but Troy Aikman didn't bug me. Usually he's just so, you know, oh, yeah. Because you could just tell, like, there's teams he hates and there's teams he likes. and They always are calling the NFC. It didn't didn't bother me one bit having them call that AFC game. I, I, and I was first I saw them, I was like, oh, God, we got them all over our Thursday night football now. And I'm sure that'll creep back up once we get into NFC matchups. But so because didn't, they didn't have a rooting yes. interest. Right, so and that will probably be down the middle. Yeah, the first and last time I ever say anything positive about that <laughs> booth tandem. Folks, it's going to be a magical night. Jason is complimenting Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Yep. Man, it's yep. going to be epic. You know how All that right. hurt me to do that. Oh, I, I believe me, I know. I, I, I didn't even just realize that. Shitting all over teams in the NFC for so long that it's unbearable <laughs> to watch. And it, it, yeah, I actually, for, for one night, I actually would, I preferred them over the Sunday night crew. 
I mean, I, I've almost I, Collinsworth and Michaels are going to be unbearable, and they get the Cowboys on Sunday. They get that Giants Cowboys <sighs> game again. Yeah. Oh my god! Did you, I mean, they they were referenced. They were joking about it in their broadcast. Mm-hmm. About uh, how that they the, get that matchup every year. The NFL Network's own prime uh, uh, podcast uh, is called Around the NFL. They were joking about it. The the own network, the Shield, the podcast of the Shield is joking about. Oh my God, look at this! It's going to be Giants Cowboys on Sunday night. How incredible yeah. is that? We've never seen this matchup before. <laughs> oh. Just rub it in our faces. They're pulling a Stu Scott. Can you believe the hype? <laughs> All right. The rest of week two overreaction theater picks coming up. We, we, we try our best to not get caught up in that and overreact, but sometimes you, you get caught up. It happens. We'll, we'll see how both of us break down these games. We've got three highlight games to get to. Uh, after I tell you that you are listening live to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. This is the only place you can listen to the show live. I still every now and then get loved ones that say, hey, I heard you've got a radio show. What station are you on? No, no, it's it's not a radio station. It's, it's, a, it's a podcast and it's only live on, on the computer. You have to open up your uh, computer. You have to open up a web browser to listen. But that site is blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. Uh, you can listen to the show as a podcast after we're done with the live portion. Uh, you get some bonus content with that, unless the website just completely cuts you off. <clears throat> oh, that didn't anyway. happen recently, last show. <clears throat> anyway, hopefully we get some bonus content. You can listen to the show as a podcast by going to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, just search for in much less detail the podcast or any number of different podcasting websites and apps that are out there. Communicate with the show via Twitter. I'm at IMLDDre. Jason is at IMLDJTG. Send us an email. Send that to InMuchLessDetail at gmail.com. And follow all of our picks on our blog after I type them in sometime the night before I go to bed. And that blog site is InMuchLessDetail.blogspot.com. On to Overreaction Theater and week number two. We will get started up there in Packerland, where you will be the man on the scene, apparently, tomorrow. Yeah. You and your family going to check out Aaron Rodgers, old hop-along Aaron and the Green Bay Packers as they host the Minnesota Vikings. And, and I'm sure Anthony Barr is not going to be able to sleep tonight thinking about all the damage that he can do to Rodgers now that he's going to be on one leg. should be even more fun, although you might get he might get penalized before the game starts. He might get penalized just for thinking about what he's going to do to Aaron Rodgers if he gets a chance to wrap him up and throw him down again. Anyway, uh, the Vikings, the defending division champions at 13-3 and three last year, Road Warriors as well. They were 6-2 and two on the road. The Packers had, of course, an off year mainly due to Aaron Rodgers being hurt most of last year. Uh, and now here he is yet again injured thanks to what the Chicago Bears did to him last week, although he somehow put some dirt on it and recovered and was able to made to lead an unbelievable comeback and win the game last week. A lot of speculation, a lot of mystery this week over the status of Aaron Rodgers. He apparently didn't practice pretty much all week, but then got out there and practiced a little today. Looks like he's going to give it a go. I I'm kind of skeptical about how, close to uh, 100% he's going to be, even close to 60 or 70%. They still won't say exactly what the damage is to his knee, which means it's probably pretty bad if they won't say it. If it wasn't that bad, they'd probably just say it. But you know, 
we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. We'll see how long he's able to actually stay out there. Um, in any event, the Vikings visiting the pack. Uh, I haven't given a shout out to our uh, our spread makers, uh, the, the website that I go to to get our lines, which was, as always, is the free handicapping picks contest over at covers.com. They seem to be very up on the spreads. Uh, they always seem to give us the, the most current up-to-date lines. They do not have an over-under for this game, which indicates some mystery about Rodgers, but they managed to get a spread up there the last time I looked, which is 15 minutes ago. So we, we do have a spread. So Minnesota is a two-point underdog to a clearly hobbled Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Jason, who you got? Yeah, well, and, I mean, this has got to be a line based solely on the fact that whoever's making that most of the lines that I've seen have been minus one, minus two. Um, and you know, it, it's been staying consistently around that. So the, the suspicion for me is that they, whoever's making these lines is going on the presumption that Aaron Rodgers is going to start, that, that he's going to play because I don't think if this is Deshaun Kaiser, this oh, is, no. This, you know, this is Vikings minus four and a half on the road. I mean, so this is this is Green Bay probably getting a little a little heaping of points. Um, I, I hate to say it, but this this line feels a little gifty for me because uh, if there's one thing I can tell you about the Minnesota Vikings, is this: they're not the Chicago Bears. That that team is not going to allow. Uh, Aaron Rodgers to pull the, the sort of magic that he pulled. That team is way too good. They have the offense. They have the running game. They they are going to just relentlessly come after Aaron Rodgers. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if if there is a a, a lay on the quarterback penalty or a, a, oh I didn't mean to I didn't mean to go at the knees type hit you know where there's a, Minnesota knows what they're doing. These this is the team that basically the rule about laying on the quarterback came from what they did to Aaron Rodgers last year. Um, I, I don't know if he even should play, especially given how relentless, I don't know what, I don't know if his, what his knee injury is. I don't know if an extra week of rest actually helps him heal, or if he's just basically playing until he can't play anymore. And then he has to have a season ending surgery. Uh, if, if that's the plan It's like, we're just going to get as much out of Aaron as we can. Uh, you, you can't make it worse. Apparently, that was the quote that he had uh, in the pre in the post game press conference last week. Was that well? You know, the doctors told me I couldn't hurt it more, which to me is pretty much an indicator that that, that knee's pretty fucked up. It, it's bad. So, it, it, if he's in that much pain and their season starts going south, they're gonna they're not going to uh, let their 150 million dollar quarterback go out there and potentially get injured worse. But hey, as long as there's still a season left to play for, and this is a huge spot. Uh, again, you know, we I had talked about the fact that last week was a must win because I thought they had no chance in hell in beating the Minnesota Vikings. Well, Aaron Rodgers hopping around on one leg in the pocket with a team that's coming after him that has that good of a defense at all three levels. I'm not putting this down as my lock of the week. I probably should, but I'm taking the Vikings and the gift two points. Yeah, you did uh, mention that about last week that it felt like a must win because of Minnesota coming in this week. And of course you didn't know that Rodgers was going to be injured coming into this game. Of course, Uh, you know, it's just, but everything lined up for this to be the first game 
for Aaron Rodgers <clears throat> against Minnesota since the injury last year, since Anthony Barr put him on the turf and, and effectively ended this season. Uh, because that's how strong the Vikings look defensively on all three levels, as you just said, that you, if you don't beat the Bears, you wind up running into the Vikings and risking going 0-2 in division and 0-2 at home, which yeah. is an extremely tough hole for any team to dig themselves out of. So uh, I thought maybe that was part of the comeback last week was Rodgers and the team sort of knew, hey, I got to get out there right now and see if I can somehow lead a comeback and beat this Bears outfit the way they're playing. Uh, looks like they're they're almost unstoppable. Uh, but we got to get this because next week is the Vikings, and we know how great they are. They're not the Bears, as you just said. Uh, so all of that uh, leads me to believe that Rodgers also. I also believe that he shouldn't be out there. I also believe he's hurt a lot worse than they're letting on. They're not letting on really any details about the injury. Uh, either way, if it was Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Kaiser, either way, if, I think it would be another moon pounding for the Green Bay quarterback, whoever it is. Somebody was going to get their ass kicked in yellow and green tomorrow by the Minnesota Vikings defense. Uh, and and Rodgers being so potentially hobbled and disabled and uh, there's either going to be a real big wrapping on that left knee or there's going to be a big bulky brace or both. I can't imagine it's going to be nothing uh, uh, wrapping up that knee and whatever they put on that knee is going to slow him down. Uh, you, we remember his mobility last week in that second half because there was none. He was just basically bouncing around back there on that one leg and couldn't even really put his full weight on that leg to, to get off his throws. It was pretty much all arm what he was doing out there. It's still one of the most unbelievable uh, comebacks, one of the most unbelievable athletic performances that I've ever seen. Uh, So all credit to Aaron Rodgers for doing what he did in a very desperate situation. And then looking at him coming into this desperate situation where he's taking on an elite pass defense from last year, the Vikings only gave up six yards per pass attempt. And to imagine Rodgers doing all of that with, Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams uh, repeating all of what he did against Chicago, doing all of that again against Minnesota, still on a bad leg. You said you should maybe lock this thing up. I am going to lock this thing up. I cannot imagine Aaron Rodgers and the Packers hanging in there against the Vikings. I got the Vikings pretty much squish. And and if he does, we won't be shocked. Right. I mean, it, but because, you know, after be last week, I guess anything is possible. Right. I should but be shocked. I, yeah. I, I don't see, I don't see them, you know, I don't see them playing with that level of intensity that they carried into the second half and through the whole second half of that game. I mean, he, he had, he was so inspiring to the rest of that team that is like linemen learned how to block and his defenders learned how to play defense all in one half. And and they're just not going. They're just not going right. And it was and they were also playing the Bears, right? So if you're going to do this, if he's going to do this to any team, it's the Chicago Bears. That's a team that he has, you know, punched the fist through the rib cage and ripped out the heart of many, many times in his career. More than any other, I would say, the way he has, you know, pretty much just owned the owned the Bears. Very similar to the way that Brett Favre owned the Bears. The Green Bay Packers have had a lot of ownage of the Chicago Bears over the last 25 years. So they're really good at it. 
Um, this this Vikings team is, you know, I mean, depending on who you talk to, their first, second highest ranked team in the league as far as people who are looking at, you know, the most elite teams in football right now. They're right up there. And uh, there's always the Kirk Cousins factor. I mean, if Kirk Cousins is back there, giving the ball to the Green Bay Packers and the Aaron Rodgers and giving them short fields because that's what Kirk Cousins can do at times. We haven't talked about the the Kirk Cousins factor. Um, but if, if he plays even the average football game, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why the Vikings don't win this game by, by, by 10 at least. But if he's back there turning it over and fumbling and being Kirk Cousins, like, you know, the Washington Kirk Cousins, he, he could keep the, he could keep the uh, Packers in this game by himself. And you'll be out there tomorrow. You'll get to eyewitness how incredible that Vikings defense is. You can report back next week as yeah. to how incredible they look. I will, I will be uh, be sitting in the uh, south corner of the south end zone, thirty forty rows up. You know, so I'll have I'll have some right above the tunnel where they run out. So I'll be up sitting up in that area, and I'll have a pretty good I'll have a pretty good view of the goings on. There's not many bad seats at Lambeau Field. It is, it is a an awesome place to watch a football game. Especially when it's not 20 degrees below zero. No, it's going to be 80 tomorrow. Wow. So, yeah, I'm going to be warm. It's supposed to be 80 and humid tomorrow. We're getting our last uh, summer's last gasp here. Because by next weekend, it's supposed to be in the 50s. (laughs) Of course. Because that's Wisconsin, yes. Our second highlight game, we'll see the Chiefs and the Steelers. Uh, we haven't heard from – we need another wellness check. We we haven't heard from our guy Bryson Brooklyn, <laughs> the world's biggest Steelers fan. He's still uh, doing the Fred Sanford and clutching his heart after they managed to only tie against the uh, the Cleveland Browns. It, it is so strange to type in the records of these teams, and you got a couple of teams where i got to type in 0-0-1. Yeah. That's yeah. just – that's – that's an abomination, man. That should never that, – that, that should not just that, – that should not happen in any event. Uh, the extremely surprising Kansas City Chiefs and, and their kid quarterback, Pat Mahomes, uh, I guess Andy Reid is, is unlocking the chains and letting him go very early and, and so far so good through one game. But that's part of overreaction theater. We get one great game out of them and it's like, uh-oh, the Chiefs are back, baby. Here come the Chiefs. Uh, and the Steelers with, of course, the the tie uh, against the Cleveland Browns. And and Ben Roethlisberger uh, apparently banged up already, although with him you never know because he tends to uh, make everything seem like it's the worst injury in the world. Uh, But the overreaction theater not quite catching up on the spread because the Chiefs are still a six-point underdog at Pittsburgh in the Steelers' home opener to start the year. And that seems pretty legit. I think that's probably uh, a good line. But as someone who's a, a Steelers hater enough that uh, I have them not winning the division, I, I have uh, Baltimore over the division. For, uh, st- I'm sticking with that, even though the Ravens didn't get anything like a <laughs> division champion games. Thursday only night. Two games. Can't overreact. That's that's all, that's all part of one it. One. There's still one and one. one. One really good game and one really bad one. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, the Chiefs do still feel like a team that can cover a, a six-point spread, especially against a Steelers defense that's still not very impressive. Uh, facts are facts, and the fact is the Steelers had a 21-7 lead on the Cleveland Browns and couldn't hold them. So that's certainly not a, a good sign in their favor. It's the second straight 
terrible run defense uh, for Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs to try to, to feast on. And the thing about that is they didn't really need to feast on the terrible run defense uh, out in L.A. against the Clippers there uh, because they were lighting it up through the air with, with Pat Mahomes and also Tyreek Hill taking uh, special teams plays uh, all throughout the uh, the stadium. So uh, they didn't really need Kareem Hunt, but, hey, maybe that means he's well-rested and, and ready to uh, go through Pittsburgh here. Uh, the game will probably be lost by whichever the worst secondary is because both secondaries are pretty awful, and they're also uh, banged up early already. Eric Berry didn't play in week one. He's doubtful again for this game for Kansas City, and it's worse on the other side for Pittsburgh. Joe Hayden is doubtful for tomorrow's game, and Artie Burns has a, a toe that he's dealing with. Uh, so this one, I, I, I love the over. I really love the over. Now, what do I know? Uh, so it seems like every time I call an over-under, I don't do it very often, but I, I do it when I feel it. Seems like every time I do it, it's, it's hit or miss. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But this feels like it's going to be a shootout. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it's the biggest spread on the board as well, so uh, as far as the uh, the over-under. Uh, so it feels like it's going to be uh, up and down all day. Uh, I, I, and part of overreaction theater also is it's funny that uh, Pro Football Focus has some stats for each and every team based on week one it's like what are you going to do with those stats because it was one game you really can't extrapolate and do too much with it uh so i I did look through all the stats uh and didn't really find all that much to use but a couple i got a couple of nuggets uh from pro football focus not a whole lot but just a couple and i found this interesting about the chiefs they uh the defense combined to miss 19 tackles during their week one victory against the chargers last week uh tied for the third most ever recorded by a team in week one of a season. So it just shows, goes to show uh, how great the offense was that they were overcoming what lines up to be on paper and on the field, perhaps a really bad Kansas city defense. So in, in that respect, it feels like the type of game setting up for the Steelers to take advantage of that and, and bounce back and come back from the uh, indignity of only tying the Cleveland Browns. But at the same time, you still got to remember that's not a whole team. The Steelers are still missing an all-pro, all-world running back in Le'Veon Bell, who's still sitting out. And fine, James Conner did better than maybe expected in week one against the Browns. But, okay, do that again. Let's just see that again. I'm not going to overreact to James Conner and say that he's going to have a huge game tomorrow. Uh, I got Kansas City uh, to cover the six in this game. And I would not be the least bit surprised if they won the game. I would pick them straight up over Pittsburgh because they seem to be a little more together as a team right now. The Steelers seem to be a little fragmented. They got the offensive line calling out Le'Veon Bell still, and, and they got uh, teammates calling each other out on, on other issues as well. It, it does not seem like things are going well in Pittsburgh. So six-point spread, a little too big for me. I'll, I'll take Kansas City. Yeah, you know, and as good as Baby Terminator played last week, that's my new nickname for him, by the way, as, as well as he played last week against uh, the Chiefs, he, he still managed to put the ball on the turf at, I mean, at a critical moment against the Browns. Uh, still managed to put the ball on the ground to start allowing that Cleveland comeback to sort of take shape. I mean, Pittsburgh did everything that they could to lose that game and were lucky to escape with a tie. <laughs> they, only, they only ended up with a tie because it was the Cleveland Browns who just you know, God will not let them win a football game. God hates Cleveland Browns. <laughs> <laughs> if you believe in that sort of stuff, I'm just saying right now, God hates the Cleveland Browns. Um, and then you had the Chiefs 
when and you know, and Andy Reid clearly, even going back to that last game of last year when they started Patrick Mahomes, he's clearly not afraid to unleash that kid and let that kid just sling it. He he's got a new toy, and he I believe is loving every minute of this, having this big armed uh, quarterback. He's accurate. He can get the ball out quick. I mean, he they were making chunk plays against the, that Chargers uh, defense, and that Chargers actually have statistically, I believe, a better defense and a much better secondary than what Pittsburgh is going to be putting out on the field tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm absolutely with you on this one 100%. I, I think six is way too many. And I also wouldn't be stunned if the Chiefs went out and outright won the game. That that long ball that Mahomes is always going to be a threat, especially against a weakened Pittsburgh secondary, which is just going to make it more easy for Kareem Hunt to run on them probably right at the spot where Ryan Shazier would normally have been, which is what teams have been doing since he uh, snapped his spine. So it's been, you know, it's been challenging for them. The Steelers just clearly have not been able to replace that loss. They haven't been the same. And I, we, we were on the cover last week with Cleveland all the way. And that came through. I had no reason to doubt um, that the chiefs can't go there. And and do the same. I mean, it, it, like you said, it could be a shootout. So there, there's a chance. I mean, if Pittsburgh just ends up scoring one more touchdown than the Chiefs do, that they somehow, and that's the only way they're going to cover this. If this is a cover for Pittsburgh, it's a seven-point cover. Every other scenario for me would have the Chiefs either just winning outright or, or you know, losing on a late, late field goal or a, a last possession play or, or something fluky like a missed extra point, you know. Uh, or Mike Tomlin being silly and going for two at points of the game when he shouldn't, and that ends up costing them <laughs> points later in the game. I mean, we've seen all of those scenarios. Those are much more likely sure. to me than Pittsburgh just blowing out the Chiefs here. Because that I, Andy Andy Reid has got to be watching that game film of that Pittsburgh defense and just you know he's coming up with something. He is going to unleash this. This is going to be the season of him unleashing Tyree Kill in the most creative ways possible, because you're always going to have the threat of Patrick Mahomes slinging the deep ball. And then all that is, you know, teams are going to be so focused on that. And then Kareem Hunt's going to go for like 140 yards. And you're like, Oh man, we forgot about that guy. Mm-hmm. So the chiefs are going to be, I don't think they're going to be a great team this year, but I think they're going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. But I can definitely see that whole scenario uh, unfolding tomorrow. If Andy Reid wants to take advantage of Kareem Hunt, uh, tomorrow will be a real good time. All right, on to our third highlight game. I'll be right back. Oh, okay. At the rare uh, in-show break. I assume that's family-related. Maybe a a kid wandered into the basement where Jason's recording this. Uh, In any event, I can set up our third highlight game. It, for me, it's one of the more anticipated games of, of the early season. Uh, probably uh, one of the top two or three most anticipated games of, of week one and, or two to me. It's the AFC rematch, uh, the rematch of the AFC title game last year that the Jacksonville Jaguars were winning by 10 points in the fourth quarter at New England and somehow managed to lose the game. Uh, and spent, uh, I, I can't put it on all of them, but uh, certainly uh, the one cornerback, Jalen Ramsey, spent the offseason, pretty much the entire offseason, talking shit and, and claiming that they're uh, as great as they advertise and, and better than 
everyone thinks they are and, and ready to just take over and rule the world. All that shit talking, here's, uh, here, here come the, the champs, here come the Patriots, the AFC champs anyway. Uh, now they come into Jacksonville's house. It's going to be down in Florida uh, in their home opener. So maybe the most raucous crowd that the Jaguars have had uh, maybe ever, uh, certainly in recent memory, should be a, a crazy, crazy game down there. Uh, New England looking impressive last week in, in dispatching uh, of the Houston Texans, although they had to hold on late to, to to put that thing away. And the Jaguars looking impressive at beating the Giants. So both 1-0 coming up against each other in this clash. Uh, New England earning the right as the veterans that they are, uh, are the favorites. They're giving one and a half points. It's really almost like a pick em. Uh But New England is minus one and a half at Jacksonville tomorrow. Jason, what's your pick? Yeah, so that, sorry, I had to run and look. My wife was locked out. I had to go unlock the door for her. Oh, that's nice. I got a, See, I I, I got a text. My, I got a text from my wife said I'm locked out. I was like, oh crap! So I had to run up the stairs <laughs> and go unlock the back door and get the stern look, and then come back down here. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I this is probably the pick that I sort of like vacillated the most on all week. I'm on New England. I'm on Jacksonville. I'm on New England. I'm on you know. So this was like me just going back and forth like the pendulum swinging all week on this pick. This is because I knew this was going to be a uh, a close line. I actually expected um, New England to get a little bit more love just because it's 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 Tommy and it's the Patriots. And I thought they'd probably be giving more points, um, but even the line has kind of bounced around all week uh, back and forth. I'm still going to take myself and go with the Jaguars here. I I think they were, they're still the team. I think that really, they they want to get after it. I I, I think they really showed you the blueprint again. Every team has been seen, has been given the blueprint for how to beat the Patriots so many times. It's just, it's really hard to do uh, because it's just, they they get that Patriots magic. And a lot of the times that Patriots magic is at Foxborough. This time it's not. This time they have to try to do this in hostile territory. That team is going to be completely lathered up. That defense, I think, is going to make Tom Brady's life completely miserable. There's a running game. They have no running game. They're going to try to trot Sony Michelle out there. He might try to give it a go. Rex Burkhead's not going to play. They, they basically have James White. And James White is just – he's mostly 90% a pass catcher out of the back. He was an effective weapon. He, they were using him again last week. There he was, James White, catching touchdowns. Uh, against the Houston Texans, like everybody, I don't know how there's not enough game film on this guy that people don't you know, roll coverage over to him. Tom Brady is going to find him as one of the most lethal weapons that that offense rolls out there, uh, especially with, you know, sort of just outside of Gronk. They just kind of have guys out there now at the receiver positions, but you know, Brady's still going to pull the Brady magic and do his things. Even though the Texans did, the Texans played an admirable second half. They made that game a lot more interesting than it should have been because that was another one of those games that was getting out of hand pretty early. And then you started to see Houston start to wake it up and Deshaun Jackson played just completely terrible in the first half. And he started to wake up against that, that team. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the Jaguars trying to do this without Leonard Fournette, but I think TJ Yeldon can do, he, he used to be a starter in the league and he does, he brought them still some spark against the giants. I don't think he's necessarily, he's a downgrade, but he's not, he got. We talked about Giovanni Bernard. He, he's one of those guys where, yes, he's not the guy, 
but he can be a good player for a team. He, he's not going to basically take that offense. Well, there goes our running game. It's trash now. And they're going to have to just rely on Blake Bortles to completely just throw them to the victory here. I think this is going to be a huge defensive effort and I'm going to take the Jaguars here. Yeah. You kind of took all my points there. I, I'll uh, just say uh, that this is more of a feel to me to make this pick that uh, you can look at the numbers and you can look at the stats, but it just feels like this is a game. All the shit that Jacksonville has been talking, all the shit about Saxonville and the Jags are this and the Jags are that. Y'all ass better come and back it up tomorrow. You've been talking all this tall trash. <laughs> but this, is a, this is the same same story, the same byline from last week, right? They were talking all the trash, Jalen Ramsey and Odell Beckham, and you guys better, you guys better come and back it. And they did. And they did. They gave up well, one big Saquon Barkley run, and that was that was all she wrote. Uh, New England, of course, is a different animal, and yes. I think we would both uh, agree to that. Uh, and and I'll admit that I'm I was actually kind of scary impressed by the way that Brady and the Patriots handled the the Houston Texans. Now the Texans didn't come out and play the type of defense that they're capable of in the first half. It looked like a different team in the second half, for, uh, particularly JJ Watt. But the point is, the Texans are an above-average defense, one of the better defenses in the league. And the Patriots and Tom Brady looked really sharp against them right off the bat in week one. And usually Brady struggles in week one with his new receivers. But he actually looked like he had a a rapport with Philip Dorsett and some of those other targets running around out there. However, it's still two weeks in a row to start the season for New England week one and week two against two kick-ass, get-after-you defenses, two bust-them-in-the-fucking-mouth defenses. And, hey, Brady performed admirably and got away and was able to beat and cover against one of those defenses. Now here's the other one, and it's on the road, and it's the defense that busted you up pretty good last year and still managed to lose the game. And you know they're still salty about that. You know they still feel like they deserve to be AFC champions, that they deserve to be in the Super Bowl we both picked the Jaguars to go to the Super Bowl this year. This is certainly yeah. a game that should be Jaguar squish. If they're as good as we think they are, and if they really are as big, big and bad as they say they are, if they want to back up all that shit that they've been talking, they need to go beat the hell out of Tom Brady tomorrow. So I'm going to pick them to do just that as well. Yeah, nothing they get, nothing the Patriots get tomorrow is going to be easy. And, you know, and and, and if, even if they do, even if they do manage to come out of this game with a win, it would be it'll be a hard fought one. Uh, th- this is the kind of a win that you can get, but it could be costly. Like this is the kind of win where you could get lingering effects, even in the aftermath. I have a feeling Jacksonville is going to be out for a little bit of little you know dish best serve cold type revenge tomorrow. Yeah, the Patriots should feel it after this game tomorrow, win or lose. You're right. Absolutely. All right, on to the rest of week two. Overreaction Sunday continues in even more or less detail, starting in the NFC South with the Panthers and the Falcons. Cam Newton and the Panthers coming out last week to start their season off right. Uh, Matt Ryan and the Falcons on Thursday night to start the season off wrong as they just kept getting in the red zone and getting stymied over and over again. Uh, nonetheless, they are the ones at home. So Carolina is the dog. One and zero Carolina is plus six at zero and one Atlanta. 
Yeah, the big story of this game for me is the season-ending injuries to Deion Jones and Keanu Neal in what was supposed to be the new fast, fiery, you know, molded in the way the Seattle Seahawks were kind of defense. It's going to hurt the Falcons. I still expect them to win the game, but I don't think they're going to cover the spread, so I'm going to take Carolina with the number. No, I certainly understand that. Yeah, that, that was that was big when I saw uh, that both of those guys are down uh, for the year. We talk about that Falcons defense and how there seem to be no weak links when you go position to position, one to eleven. I really thought that was the strongest defense in the league, just man to man, one to one. And there's two huge pieces of those yeah. uh, those guys that are just torn right off the team, right off the bat. No, I, I, and, I think KZ will be a good replacement. I don't think mm-hmm. they have a replacement for Deion Jones. No, that, that, could be, that could be catastrophic right there in the middle. Um, and they're not having, uh, they're not going to have Devontae Freeman running the ball for them tomorrow, but that's another one of those great running back backup situations. Cause Tevin Coleman should get 20 carries and he'll probably have a hundred yards against Carolina. Uh, still missing their best tackler or one of their best tacklers, Thomas Davis, due to suspension. And the Greg Olson comeback lasted one week, so he's already finished. Uh, so kind of beat up on both sides. But now I'll, I'll take Atlanta. They, they won't miss Devontae Freeman as much as most teams would. Um, and I'll take Atlanta and actually take him to cover as well. I think uh, 10 days off and, and getting that bad taste of the Thursday night game out of their mouths, I think they're very much looking forward to tomorrow. So I'll take Atlanta to, to win and cover. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, it, that... if Atlanta gets into the red zone five times, <laughs> they'll probably cover this number. They'll probably be touchdowns this time. I think you're going to see some aggressiveness now. They better. Uh, here's the other 0-0-1 team, the, uh, the aforementioned Brown Fever. They're on the road at the 0-1 New Orleans Saints. Which team is more embarrassed? The team that had a chance to win many times and tied the team that was plus five turnover wise and couldn't win the game or the team that was the biggest favorite on the board and got destroyed at home. We'll see which one bounces back tomorrow, but the Brown fever on the road is plus 10 points at the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to take a gamble here and say that the team that got torched by Brad Fitz Johnson, my (laughs) new nickname, uh, the team that got torched by old Brad Fitz Johnson um, for Tampa, I'm going to take a bet that that Sean Payton-led New Orleans team is the most kind of butt-sore team here this week. Plus, we get more Josh Gordon shenanigans. Now the word has come out that they're going to cut him. Their best receiver. I know they signed Jarvis Landry, but the talent is purely on Josh Gordon. He was was out there. He was the guy. He was the guy who caught the – Miracle touchdown catch against the Steelers to send that game into overtime. They're going to sorely miss him. I have the Saints as my lock of the week. Now, Josh, Gordon's, Josh Gordon's done? Wait, what? He's, he's out? Cut, he's going to be cut? They're going to cut oh him. Oh, my gosh. He showed up today with a hammy. He pulled his hammy um, oh. doing a non-sports-related event. And the word oh. is now they're going to cut him this week. Just stone cold oh. cut him. They're done with Josh Gordon. Uh, that, that's I, I don't one, think, of those, yeah. one of those situations, non-contact. That sounds like something you know, it's either skateboarding or, or hang gliding, yeah. or else he was having some really yeah. freaky sex and, and yeah. something that you shouldn't be doing yeah. one, of, one way. Or it was just a drug deal gone bad and he was running. <laughs> it's Josh Maybe Gordon. Come true. on. It's Josh Gordon. Yeah. It's, it's a possibility. You can't put that past, I suppose. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty good lock. That, that's a lot of points to give, but I completely agree with the sentiment that the Saints are much much better than what they showed last week and are probably itching and raring and ready to come back and prove what they're all about tomorrow against a very easy, uh, should be very easy opponent to prove yourself against. And that's the the Cleveland Browns. Absolutely no excuses uh, for the Saints not to bounce back and and get a big victory tomorrow and cover the 10. I'll take them to cover as well. The locking up the 10 is, I considered it. I I think that's probably my second choice for for lock uh, on the board there. So I did consider that. Uh, the Eagles and the Buccaneers. Uh, we got uh, Brad Fitzjohnson. Uh, you like that nickname? I know you. I uh, can tell you like that one. Because yeah, because it's perfect. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick does indeed sort of conjure up the memories of old game manager, occasional deep ball Super Bowl champion yeah. Brad Johnson, and in that Tampa uniform, and that really is a, a, an apt description. Uh, so quarterback shenanigans on that end. Quarterback shenanigans on the Eagles end. It'll be Nick Foles. Once again, under center, uh, still no Carson Wentz for the world champions. Uh, nonetheless, the Eagles are still a favorite. They give three points at Tampa. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the three points and I'm gonna take Tampa. I thought I highly considered locking up this game. There's no way that there's no way that turnover Bernie Sanders is gonna do anything close to that Eagles defense that he did to the New Orleans defense. This is gonna be the coming back to earth game. This is gonna be the Joe Flacco game. The week two Joe Flacco versus the week one Joe Flacco. This is exactly oh. what we're gonna get out of this team. They have all the weapons in the world on offense. They have a ton of talent. But uh yeah, Brad Fitzjohnson's not the guy to lead them to a, a victory over the Super Bowl champs. So give me the Eagles to cover the three. I'll say the exact same thing in different words. Okay, Fitz Magic, let's see you do that again versus the world champions versus an elite defense (laughs) on 10 days rest. Let's see that again. Go for it, big boy. Yeah, I'm not trusting that either. I will also take Philly and give the three. Off to the AFC East where it's the Fish and the Jets, the Dolphins, uh, God, that game last week against the, the Titans, and, I, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it because it would have been in the after show if our after show Terrible. was killed. Uh, but that seven-hour excursion, that's just, I don't, and and me being here in Tennessee, in Memphis, uh, that's the local game in, our, in my market. So I got to sit through that whole ordeal and from noon uh, central time to seven in the evening, and it still wasn't finished by the time the, the Fox Sports, the Fox Sports, uh, and by the way, that's another situation. I don't know why that was on Fox Sports. It was two AFC teams, but it was on Fox Sports. The Fox Sports window to televise any football at all ended at 7 Central Time. That game still wasn't over. The noon game that they were televising still had not ended, and it had to go off the air before the actual end uh, occurred. So I don't even know what to make of all of that. But anyway, uh, we'll try to find out what's more tiring, the six days uh, of rest instead of seven that the Jets uh, have, even though they won on Monday night, they only get six days or seven days of rest after a game that took your entire fucking day, which is what the Dolphins had to deal with. Uh, in any event, the Dolphins at 1-0 are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at the 1-0 New York Jets. Yeah, you know, the half-point move in the way of the Dolphins here feels like it's prompting me to take the Jets. Uh, I, I did appreciate what I saw after Sam Darnold starts off his NFL career with the quick pick six. He, he righted the ship. He, he was finding guys open. I mean, he, he was finding Anderson deep down down the field. The Dolphins don't do anything for me. And, and in this game, I think the Jets are going to be better. They're playing at home. Uh, they're riding high. They're going to let Sam Darnold learn a little bit more. I don't think the Dolphins are the team to bring them down back 
back to earth after that big win. So I'm going to take the Jets. I think this is part of overreaction theater because you're talking about a kid making his second ever NFL start uh, against uh, an established veteran. And and I'm I'm not saying uh, Brian Tannehill is just an awesome quarterback uh, with, with all these great skills when it happened, but he is a veteran quarterback and he did as he has wanted to do over the years, did show me some sparks uh, during that game last week, during all of that delays and seven hours of action. There were some throws and some uh, decisions that Tannehill made that made me go, ooh, okay, all right, he's, he's back. He's back in the saddle. Uh, he does that all the time. He, he shows you some sparks here and there. Uh, but I think it's disrespectful for him to be an underdog to this kid is making his second ever start. Uh, I'm going to take the Dolphins to go in and, and get a win. I don't have a huge ton of confidence in it, but uh, I do think the Dolphins uh, can afford to go in and, and beat the Jets. I don't think the Jets are right where they want to be yet. I know they've had that one great game, but I don't think they're quite that good. Uh, Indianapolis versus Washington. Andrew Luck uh, came back, another uh, quarterback coming back from injury. Uh, and look, right. you, you said he looked all right. He, he had his moments as well. Uh, even though they they picked up a home loss, uh, Washington looked more than all right in going and destroying Arizona. So this spread not a surprise. Indianapolis plus five and a half at Washington. Yeah. Well, Andrew Luck is a five and a half point dog on the road. Whoa, what's going on? Yeah, well, here's the thing. The Colts can't run the ball. They don't play that good a defense. Andrew Luck isn't going to go on the road and do anything. And again, Alex Smith, he's the metronome. That's what I'm going to start. That, that's his new... I think yeah. that's his new nickname. He's just tick tick. He's just going to keep them again. He's going to keep them on schedule, moving the ball. They get to do this at home. I'll I'll take Washington and give the points. It's a lot of variables that made me go back and forth on this particular pick. Uh, the Colts. It's scary that a couple of O linemen are already hurt and, and are not going to play this game. Uh, no. So Andrew Luck is going to be looking at Ryan Kerrigan yeah. all day, and that should be very scary. Uh, Marlon Mack comes back from injury for the uh, for the Colts to get some running game going for him, perhaps to balance things out. It does feel like the kind of stepping stone game that Washington would get served up after uh, just a great performance at Arizona. Just here's a cupcake for you to make you feel good to go two and zero. And usually when Washington gets served up a cupcake, they choke on it and they find a way to cag. So uh, Despite not being all that impressed by the Colts, I'm actually going to take them to cover five and a half. I think Luck can throw a late touchdown and cover that. But those, but those would have been the Kirk Cousins Colt, uh, uh, Vikings. I mean, uh, Redskins. Though, don't forget that. That that's that's a good point. But the, the coach is still there. Uh, Clippers and Buffalo. The Los Angeles Chargers get the early start uh, on the East Coast. The West Coast team going east, but. Usually you don't get to face a kid making his very first uh, NFL start. So as a result of that, the Chargers, even though they're 0-1, are 7 and a hook, 7.5-point favorites on the road at the 0-1 Buffalo Bills. Clippers! <laughs> I concur. Good luck, Project. That's my nickname for, for Josh Allen up there. He's Mike Mayock thinks he's just a project, so that's all My he goal is. Nothing is to but a talk project. a little about the Buffalo Bills the whole rest <laughs> of the season. So, Clippers! Squish! Sounds good to me. Uh, feels desperate for both of these teams uh, in the AFC South, the Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans. One of them's going to go 0-2 unless there's yet another tie. Um, and one of them is starting a quarterback and a half because uh, the word out of Tennessee is that Marcus Mariota and Blaine Gabbard may see action in tomorrow's game. And you know what we always say, uh, if you have two quarterbacks, 
we don't, don't have, have any. Yeah. So as a result of that, perhaps uh, the Texans are the favorite. Houston minus three at Tennessee. Yeah, and th- and this I looked back at this. Th- this has basically been home and away splits the last couple of seasons. It's, you know what this game feels to me? I'm, it feels pushy. I'm smelling pushy oh. here. Um, but in that case, I'm going to actually give the slight nod on my pick to the home team. I know I know that the Titans had the devastating loss of Delaney Walker, but the Titans, I still don't know who they are because I take nothing away from the result of that Miami-Tennessee game last week for either the Dolphins or the Titans. Um, I still do think the Titans have the potential to be a good team. I still think they can run the ball. Uh, Houston, this is another another tough road spot for them. Uh, yeah. after going to New England last week. But they're, they're getting this out of the way early. They're going to get to go home. They're going to get fat. They're going to be a really good team this year. Um, I like them to make the playoffs, just like I had the Titans to make the playoffs. Uh, but I'll take the Titans and the points here, even though I think Houston probably can win this by a field goal. Houston uh, expected to get Will Fuller back to help round out things in the uh, wide receiver core. Here's another situation where offensive linemen are dropping like flies. Tennessee lost two, both of their starting tackles, uh, Jack Conklin and Taylor Lewan. Lewan, that was a nasty blindside hit he, he suffered uh, in that seven-hour marathon game. But both of their starting tackles are out. This should set up for Houston to bounce back and, and use their strength, which is pressuring quarterbacks and, and making quarterbacks make bad decisions. Uh, so I will take Houston, and I will give the three points. Uh Arizona and the Los Angeles Rams, the Cardinals coming off of looking about as bad as you can get. Now, this might be some overreaction theater. Biggest spread on the board. They are 13.5-point dogs at the 1-0 Rams. I completely agreed with you on that. I think this is the, the destruction of the Raiders in the second half and then just how terrible. The total goose egg that the Cardinals laid last week is giving us this 13-point line. We know that these NFC West division matchups are usually pretty close. These teams always tend to play each other uh, pretty tight. And uh, I'm going to give the Cardinals one more chance here. I was, uh, this, it can't be that bad. I mean, if, if the Rams are that good and the Cardinals are that bad, I mean, at least the, at least I'm going to need, at least I'm going to get 13 points to make them prove it. So I'm going to take all the points. I totally agree. Uh, and, and and I admit it's the perfect kind of like overwhelmed regular season opponent that the Rams feasted on last year and will feast on this year to help them uh, once again, win that division. Yeah. Uh, and yet I just want to give the Cardinals more respect because I think they're a much better team than what they showed last week. So I, I'll, I'll concur with you and take the 13 yeah. and a half. Uh, the 13 I could and sour a half on them two. quick. I mean, I might sour on the Cardinals pretty fast here, but um I'm giving them a chance. Uh, 90 seconds for the last four games, so we'll get these in rapid fire right. and discuss some more. Uh, Detroit Lions, uh, 1-0, are six-point underdogs at Messiah and the 0-1 49ers. Yeah, it's, as due penance for making uh, uh, picking against Jimmy Garoppolo last week, I am obligated to take the Niners here. Well, you do that. I'm still not impressed, and I will take the Lions and the points, and I can't believe they're that big of a favorite at uh, at San Francisco. Oakland, speaking of unimpressive, uh, at 0-1, six-and-a-half-point dogs at the 1-0 Denver Broncos. Yeah, I had Oakland penciled in on this pick, and then I was like, ah, no, I can't do it. I've got Denver. <laughs> yeah, I-, I can't do it either. I don't know when I'm going to take Gruden, but not yet. Uh, Sunday night football, oh, God, this fucking matchup. Um, and it's a and it's a dry ass spread. Giants plus three at Dallas. Yeah, 
I'm taking Dallas here. I think they, they'll end up playing, I think, like the more desperate team, even though whichever one of these teams loses is 0-2. I'm still going to take the Cowboys. They have Sean Lee for the last time. <laughs> and, and I'll take the uh, the Giants. I just don't think the Cowboys are very good. And Monday night, uh, Seattle is a three-and-a-half-point dog at Chicago. Yeah. Uh, everybody on the Seattle team is hurt, so I'm taking the Bears. Yeah, and I will take Seattle. Oh. Uh, and we'll discuss that more in the after show. All right, into our VIP after show program. Yeah, I don't know about uh, the the mental aspect. I guess we'll get into Seattle, Chicago first uh, in a little more detail. But what I'm afraid of there is you're giving this kid Trubisky uh, the Mm -hmm. benefit of the doubt and making him the favorite over a world champion quarterback and, and a championship organization. Uh, and, and of course the defense was awesome for a half, but they, they did gas out in the second half against a, a one-legged man. And it's just hard to overlook that. I, I want to give Chicago a chance to sort of recover from the gut punch. I don't want to just love them and take them and, and give three and a half against, uh, against the Seahawks just like that. I want to give them a, a chance to recover and, and admit that there, there's a chance that they're going to come out flat uh, on Monday night uh, against Seattle because they still haven't recovered. Uh, and, and then they, they might – catch their breath and recover and play much better later in the season. But I want to uh, give them an opportunity to sort of step back uh, this week. And they, they may not, they may not still have been recovered from that traumatic situation that happened last Sunday night. Yeah. It's just that that Seattle injury report is a who's who of who you don't want to have injured. If you want to win football games on that defense. And then also Doug Baldwin now gone. So mm-hmm. that's that Doug Baldwin is the security blanket for Russell Wilson. I mean, if Russell Wilson's back there running around for his life and he's going to th- and he's going to suddenly just set and throw the ball deep. Most of the time, the beneficiary of that was Doug Baldwin. That was his and Doug Baldwin. Just, they had the thing going that he knew where to be. He's not the fastest guy, but he could work himself open because Russell Wilson you know, buys himself enough time that, that, and, and they just, he could throw that thing up and just know where Doug Baldwin's going to be. Um, I think it's going to hurt them. I do think that the Bears have an impressive defense, and I think they will learn from that game last week. Um, I don't necessarily and, – and, again, if Seattle wasn't racked with the injuries like they are, um, you know, and you're looking at a defense that I believe it was just announced today that Bobby Wagner is uh, not going to play, so I believe Bobby Wagner was listed as out or highly doubtful. Um, so that's that's a no-go – KJ Wright's gone. Cam Chancellor's gone. It's too many guys. Too too many people in the in a, in, a, in a defense I'd already nicknamed the Legion of Room. You can't just yeah. these guys just can't keep dropping like flies. And they let Denver put up 27 with Case Keenum last week. And I know the Bears are not as good as that Denver offense. That's not by no, by no means am I trying to you know say that those two are, are equivalent. But it's one of those where, in a big spot on Monday night, the Bears are at home. They got to sort of try to, you know, lick their wounds. Uh, you know, they've got another week of Khalil Mack with actual practice this time, where he's, he's not just walking in off the street to do what he did uh, against Aaron Rodgers and the Bears in the first half of that game. And we know that Seattle can't block for shit. So I no, could that's see the, all. I could, 
I could see the Bears defense doing some, you know, pulling their best wrecking crew here. I don't think that they blow the Seahawks out. I mean, this could be a 20 to 16 kind of game. I just don't think the Seahawks are going to be able to put up enough points. It could be 20 to 17. That hook is that, that would that would help you scary as well. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's it's legit. And the hook point scares me a little bit. That it's definitely more fresh meat for the Bears D to, to snack on that Seattle yeah. offensive line. Uh, Russell Wilson used to be in the Aaron Rodgers role of having a bad wheel and trying to hobble around and, and escape from everybody. And you see how it worked for him. And he, he wasn't that, that, that one year that he had that knee brace and was uh-huh. limping everywhere and didn't have that mobility. He wasn't anywhere near the same player, not anywhere close. So that's what Rodgers, I think pretty much has to look forward to, but I think that might be the difference in uh, the bears not covering uh, the spread and, and, uh, that Russell Wilson is healthy now and he's able to run and escape and, and the, maybe Chicago, the, no one's going to be, uh, Chicago isn't going to sneak up on anybody. That defense is, I, they shouldn't have snuck up on green Bay last week, but the way the Packers played, it looked like they snuck up on them, uh, but they won't sneak up on Seattle. They, they're going to know what's coming at least. That's fair. I mean, and again, I, 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 I sort of silently sit here wondering now I'm going to not so silently wonder, how much you're still reeling from that loss <laughs> and, and you, and you, like, you don't want to pick them. Um, well, when I say that I want to give Chicago a chance to recover from such a gut punch, maybe yeah. what I really am saying is I want to give myself a chance to recover yes. from such a gut you punch. Wanna see, you want to see that they've recovered so that you can hop on back. So that I can love them again. That's that, that may be true. I, I'll, I'll cop to all of that. Um, <laughs> That Giants Dallas Sunday night game is there. I, mean, we have to, I guess we have to talk about it. No, we don't have to. No, uh, I mean, at least we it, should. I mean, it is, it's it's a game. It's going to happen. At least the one it, thing it, that Matt, that stale ass matchup has going yeah. forward this year is that at least you got the two stud running backs going against each other. It's going to be Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. and Ezekiel Elliott. That should be fun. I don't really care about all the rest of the, the Sherman drawing that's going to go on about this game. Cause I don't care about either franchise, uh, but at least that should be something. Yeah. If, if the early press on Saquon Barkley, I mean, what that run he had against Jacksonville when Jacksonville was trying to put that game away and he bounced that run to the outside and they had no chance. I mean, he was just gone. So he's, he's clearly going to be the real deal. Um, I just I still don't trust Eli Manning. I, I still don't trust that passing offense. I have no trust in Dak Prescott. This, this, I really wanted nothing to do with this game. This is one of those games that <laughs> if I was gambling, I wouldn't pick. Right. I, I don't have – it's hard to have a read on either one of these teams. I just know that one of these teams is going to end up 0-2, and we're going to end up with a whole lot of what's wrong with blank after this game. I won't because I'm not going to watch ESPN. No, <laughs> but that's but you know that's going to sort of be the the week long narrative for whichever one of these teams comes out of the shoot zero and two. Um, you know Dallas's offense was completely inept against Carolina, uh, a good defense, not a tear, not a great defense, but a good defense. And then the Giants, other than that one big run, got nothing going against Jacksonville. But but nobody gets anything really going against Jacksonville. So maybe we get more of a even footings type of situation here. I know we're going to get a whole lot of Sean Lee love on Sunday night. That's definitely something I don't want to think about and talk about the, the so, loving of Sean Lee. Oh. Does he 
does he hurt himself in this game? Does his season end to, uh, on Sunday night? The the IMLD prop bet window is open. We we're going to open our own exchange <laughs> out there in Vegas. Uh, does Sean Lee get catastrophically injured? Yes. Yes is, yes is minus 130 at the moment, I believe. Yes. It's going to be something weird. It's going to be something like not normal that's going to take him out for the year. It's going to be like a like a torn lat or you know or something like a torn <laughs> bicep. It's always got to be something torn because he's made of he's made of paper mache. So <laughs> so something on Sean Lee is going to just like rip, and you're actually going to probably hear a visible, an audible ripping sound in the stadium. You know, going to go running towards the sideline and tear his calf muscle off the bone or something. <laughs> Yeah, he'll go walk. He'll they'll, they'll be carrying him off, and it'll just be kind of flapped off to the side, you know. <laughs> but what, what, yeah, it's just going to be the strangest injury, you know. Like, well, wow, that, that, that's one of those that you just don't see. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Chris is the strangest thing. He was just running, and all of a sudden, you see his right calf just go off to the side. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Non-contact injury, even. Oh, that that's even better. Yeah. It just feel it's just one of those feelings. It just feels like yeah. that's going to happen. Yes. I'm so, so sick yes, of this fucking yes, we're, uh, yes, we're being a bit morbid, trying to dissect the exact way in which Sean Lee's season is going to end. But it, it, it's almost got to be a game now because it's going to happen. I mean, what else can you break down? One team sucks and probably needs to fire the coach and the quarterback. Yeah. And the other team was three and thirteen last year. What do you want to do? What do you want to talk? Can about? you can you? Yeah, the, the other quarterback was three and thirteen and almost got run out of town on a rail. Yeah. So. Other I, than I other than Ben McAdoo, probably the saving grace for Eli Manning was the way that they ended his. Uh, they they benched him to end his start streak. Uh, they actually made Eli Manning, who was playing like complete ass, into like the victim. The sympathetic figure. The, the, that guy, the guy who, How can they do yeah, that? The guy who Eli. couldn't stop throwing the guy who couldn't stop throwing interceptions. Like he was the interception Pez dispenser last season. He was completely wrecking that offense. And they actually managed to turn him into a sympathetic figure and then try to load up the offense for him. Yeah, but it's still a one man offense. It's uh, I mean, Saquon is great, but unless yeah. Odell Beckham is going off, they they got nothing. No, their passing game has zero without him. Uh, so Oakland and Denver, uh, anything much to break down here? So it's another tough task for uh, John Gruden and Derek Carr to try to get on the same page. You got one yep. tough defense last week with the Rams, and now here comes uh, here they go into Denver, and good luck trying to beat Von Miller and company. It's not a good sign when John Gruden's already calling out Derek Carr in press conferences to, for passing up one open game. throws. One, one game, game, and he's already calling him out for what he saw in the All-22s. Uh, because he said that Derek Carr looked tentative, like he was scared. He's scared. He, he called you a bitch. That's what John Gruden just said. Just pulled your card, son. Yeah. Just pulled so, your card. Look, looked at you and pulled out his $100 million contract for playing uh-huh. zero minutes on the field and said, what? Bitch. What you got? What you got? <laughs> <laughs> After one game. Wow. And you know yeah. what? I mean, if now – <laughs> Maybe he wasn't wrong, but that's probably not the way you want to go but about I mean, handling it. That dude's got word that's like, you know, John Gruden's going to like tire of him quickly, and all of a sudden you're going to find Derek Carr on a short lead. What's he going to go to? <laughs> I don't even know who the backup is. That's what I mean. Uh, is Matt so, McGloin still available? Oh, God. Or, oh, no. 
No. no that's the thing. Gruden is already acting like a, a TV analyst and a, and, a, uh-huh. and a TV show host. And yeah. he, he forgot that he's not a, a TV show host right. anymore. He's a coach. Yeah, John, John Gruden don't do is this. Doing, he's, doing, he's doing a Trump. Pretty much. Yeah, this is not the, the next apprentice. Thing you know he's going to be, you know, hashtag Derek Carr, hashtag sad. <laughs> this is not Hashtag uh, the... Mara. Or, or, you know. <laughs> Make the Raiders great again? Make the, yeah, Murga. Uh-huh. Murga. I'm going to get my Murga hat. I'm going to get the black and silver hat that just says Murga. <laughs> Make Raiders great again. Make, Make sure the hat's made in China. Yeah, of course. Make the Raiders great. Yeah, uh, it, it doesn't that kind of remind you a little bit of that? He's just going to go in there and he's just guns blazing. He doesn't care what he says or, okay, what are you doing here? Technically, you may be right sometimes, but you're going about it all wrong. Right. There's millions and millions of people more intelligent than you telling you you're doing this wrong. People don't yes. do it like this. And you just go, ah, that's all right. I'm going <laughs> to do it this way anyway. And what do you all know? <laughs> John Gruden. <sighs> He's Trumpifying the, the Raiders. Yeah, Murga. That's our new. Uh, that's going to stick. I think we're going to have uh, that. That one's going to stick for us. Murga. Lord. Lord help us all. Uh, so, yeah, we both went with Denver in that one, even though that's a really big spread. But, hey, that is know, a big Keith. spread for an offense. I don't trust a whole hell of a lot, but that's also the, what, the, the number one or two Raider uh, defense in the league against the Raiders. Uh, and, and, a, and a quarterback and, who's basically getting trashed by his coach for not for, for passing up open deep balls. I mean, ouch. And the Raiders defense is looking pretty much like the Raiders defense. So you, you know, Khalil Mack would have come in handy. You know, he's pretty good. He could have given them a little yeah. bit of a pass rush. Now, if, if the long term vision of the Raiders, if the Murga vision here was that. <laughs> They were just not going to pay Khalil Mack after this season, and it's the it's the baseball analogy, right? You trade the guy while you can while his value is high, and you can get something for him. Otherwise, he just he walks. And if the Raiders, if John Gruden looked at that roster and go, "We ain't shit," you know, we're not going to win anything this year. Then I get it. Okay, you get your two number one draft picks, but in the short term, it's going to be ugly, and you're going to take a lot of shit. So bend over. Here it comes. Here's the problem with that that I've read from a lot of very smart people uh, on Twitter and in the media and whatnot. This is the NFL. There's smart Your, people on Twitter. That's news to me. I try to only follow the smart ones, which is why I only follow okay. like five people. Um, <laughs> okay. You found the five. I'm included in that, I hope. You are, yes. Okay. Uh, there's This is the NFL. Your career expectancy is three and a half years at the average. You can't treat this like baseball and decide that this guy at 27 who's been just killing everybody for five years in the NFL, oh, we we can't afford him. If you can't pay this guy as great as he is, then who are you ever going to pay? What else can he possibly have done to prove that he was worth the contract? What are you waiting for? What guy is going to come along playing as good as him and accept peanuts and, and accept See, John no Gruden doesn't John Gruden forgets that coming back to the Raiders was that Tony Dungy hadn't made this team perfectly like a Super Bowl contender and then they fired him so that John Gruden could then just come in and mop up. Oh, he took over a team. Talk about that. Oh, 
Oh, did I go there? We're not supposed to mention, we're not supposed to mention how Gruden got that ring down in Tampa. Oh, we were that. supposed to all conveniently forget about the fact that a Super Bowl ring was basically just handed to him on a silver platter. He stayed away from football long enough that he thought people would completely forget about it. Unfortunately, we're old oh. and we remember that. Yeah. So yeah, this it's not this it's not going to be the same. Plus, if the mentality when they made the trade and what you heard all of these so quote unquote you know experts and talking heads say was, well, they can't pay him and Derek Carr. And then a week later, Derek Carr is getting thrown under the bus and backed <laughs> over by the coach that traded Khalil Mack. So he's, he's by the end of this season, he might not have either one. He might have nobody left on that team. Matt McGloin. Oh my God. I will say it's very hard to pay Khalil Mack and Derek Carr when you give your head coach 100 fucking million dollars. <laughs> It is hard to do that. I'll admit that's true. <laughs> and it's in your contract, he's not the guy getting that's playing there. Zero minutes right. for you. No, John Gruden's going to yeah. coach that team for three years and then get paid for the next seven years while he sits in the broadcast booth again because obviously they can't pay him if he's doing another coaching job. Right. So yeah. he's going to get paid gonna... no matter what, but he'll be doing it in an analyst booth. I admit that's a hell of a job that he pulled off staying away long enough to make some – all it takes is one. One idiot yeah. in the NFL uh, owners group, all it takes is the one to just go crazy and give him anything he asks for right. to pull him out of retirement. See, if the and Raiders were smart, they would have hired Tony Dungy and then five <laughs> years from now hired John Gruden right when they were ready to go win the Super Bowl. But again, we're not supposed to remember that. Oh, Sorry. Yeah, isn't that uh, convenient we, that nobody? I haven't heard anybody bring that up. So we're there, folks. As usual, IMLD keeping an eye on the things that you don't want to pay attention to. <laughs> you said cut through the noise, right? That's what we try to do. Uh, so yeah, the uh, the Lions and Messiah. How about uh, after that performance uh, that Messiah gave uh, in getting his doors blown off? That there's still a six point. You know. I, that much game was closer than, than it props. should have been, though. That game ended up being an eight-point win. They didn't play that close, though. No, but it was just it was they the the diners just kept doing the zombie thing. They just they just wouldn't go away. As bad as they were, the Vikings just couldn't quite stomp them out. And I'm a little worried about Matt Stafford. He 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 hurt that knee early in that game, and he. Yeah. It, they never got rolling after that. So that's something too, where if he's got the limited mobility and he's not really a runner, but again, if you're sort of dancing around in the pocket and you're having trouble putting pressure into your throws, uh, he was floating some ugly balls out there against the jets. Uh, They were never really in that game. So I could see the 49ers, you know, putting one on them. Jimmy G's got the magic. He almost proved it against Minnesota. They had the ball with chances to tie that game late. But they had no business doing it. None. You, you're still in love. It sounds like you're you're giving him the benefit, you're, and you're giving a six. Hey, I picked against him last week. That's I true. told you I have to do my penance. Yeah, I'd much props and much love to the people who still have the love for for Jimmy G to yep. give six points after that game against Minnesota. Uh, yeah. That's a that's a lot for for a kid that still hasn't really proven uh, anything. Is that a, a is that a pro Jimmy G uh, line or is be. that a oh I think it's a real I think it's overreaction both ways. I think that's oh my god the Lions got destroyed at home by the Jets, 
as well. That's yeah. That, I guess that does have something to do with it too. Uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, if the Gi- if yeah. the if the Lions just won the game by a field goal and held their business, this is probably a three or three and a half point spread. Maybe even less. Yeah. So I think this is also Vegas reacting. Like you said, there's sometimes you see it in the number. I think this isn't as much of a, a 49ers lover as what the hell was that with the Lions? They got smoked. There's still got to be a good amount of 49ers left because no amount of, of how bad Detroit plays uh, really could justify someone like Garoppolo and, and his lack of experience in a in in 49ers team overall that that's very blood. You just look at the whole roster and we talked about it's it guys. before the season even yeah. began. And we're like, yeah, just it's a roster of guys. We made fun of them for having Marquise Goodwin as their number one receiver. He's not even playing tomorrow. So, yeah. George I mean, Kittle, uh, did George Kittle get hurt too? I, I, I haven't seen, I don't know. I don't, I think he's so insignificant that if he did, that, that it hasn't been reported, but he made a lot of the, made a lot of catches for them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I could not make myself give the, the six. Actually, I think Detroit can uh, bounce back and, and win that game. But uh, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I wouldn't be stunned. Nothing in week two, I think, should stun us. I think the only thing that would stun me is if the Bills win. <laughs> okay. Or the Browns. I'll, I'll agree you know, with if that. the Browns win or if the Bills win, then okay, you got me. <laughs> Um, oh, I, I looked up the backup quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. It's A.J. McCarron. Oh, my God, that's right. That whole situation. Yeah. So they had to go they – they just had to have A.J. McCarron. They traded for him. Yeah. They, they were just making all those him. moves. But that tells me that that's Gruden's guy. Yeah, but – So maybe, maybe how Gruden much of a guy, saw though? something. He saw something on tape. He saw A.J. McCarron's girlfriend. You don't acquire a guy just because he has a hot girlfriend, but no. but how much of <laughs> but how about unless you're gonna bone the girlfriend or you know just want to? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not making any accusations here. It's about the only thing uh, I know about AJ McCarron is he's got a hot girlfriend. Yeah, I, that's how, no, that's I how awesome were... his talent as a quarterback. Also, he got completely robbed of an of a playoff win because of him... the, uh, the the chump tactics of the. Uh, Marvin Lewis led Bengals. I picked him to beat the Steelers in that playoff game, and, oh, and he led the game-winning. Yeah, he led you know, what should have been the game-winning we, touchdown when we, drive. When we talk about that game, I get sick to my stomach. <laughs> it, it was a what sickening. Was it, 40, evening. was it forty-five penalty yards on that drive? Oh, the, the personal fouls just kept racking yeah. up. Yeah, that was when uh, Antonio Brown got his uh, his Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> For, for such a great Grammy. acting job. Yeah, he did such a great job. He got a Grammy. That was the name of my uh, fantasy team the next year. Antonio Brown's Grammy. Antonio Brown's Grammy. Oh, yeah, that that, that was sickening. Um, but, no, I thought you were going a different direction when you say that that's Gruden's guy. Like, you, you the, the criticism of your starting quarterback in week one, like, is that yeah. his guy so much that he's – Starting to grease the wheels to make a change. Yes. Can you imagine? That, that's what really? I that's I. I think so. Is he that crazy? Yes. Murga. That <sighs> he will bench the franchise hundred million dollar quarterback for AJ fucking McCarron at some point. Quite well, possible. 
with, with, with Gruden, I guess you can't say no way to anything, right? Yeah, why else would you make the trade? I mean, if you thought that's, why, that's, why would that's true. that's what I'm wondering when I heard the trade. I was like, why? You got there are cars there. Why are you going so hot and heavy after AJ fucking McCarron? Because because uh, Derek Carr is passing up wide open throws. See, he's terrible. He's trash. His coach said so to the media. He's got low energy. <laughs> Was he Jeb Bush? Yes. <laughs> and he's crooked. <laughs> See, Murga. God. Anything. This this Raiders thing felt like it was going to be a complete joke before the season began, and it's so far it's it's living up to all expectations. Crazy, crazy fun to watch, though. And it's only going to get crazier when they go to yeah. Vegas. They were winning that game at halftime against the Rams. I know it doesn't feel like it, but yeah, they, they got right, completely they annihilated <laughs> in the second half of that game. Yeah, the Rams just yeah. kind of were like, wait, wait a minute. We're losing to these guys. What the? Fuck? Yeah. Come on now. We no no yeah. we can't. That this this will not stand. <laughs> Twenty three unanswered points in the second half. It's like Aaron Rodgers losing to to the Bears. This will not stand. Yeah, and it would have been worse because I'm looking at it right now. Greg Zerline kicked a twenty yard field goal and a twenty eight yard field goal. Yeah, okay, so otherwise, that, so so that's pretty close to being forty-one to thirteen if you turn those right. into touchdowns. So, yeah, and and a pick six. And, and that was uh, I'm, that that Monday turned out again. We didn't talk, get into it because our after show got cut off, but that Monday turned out exactly as I hoped and predicted, which is rare for me. But uh, the craziness was in the early game with the Jets going into Detroit and. and I didn't know they were going to house him like that. I, I thought they would play with him. I didn't know they were going to destroy him like that. Um, and then the Rams doing what they're supposed to do against a, a crazy franchise like the yep. Raiders. So I, I was very happy to see all that. Yeah, you had a hell of a Monday night. I, I did. Uh, still losing you to you. In the, yeah, still losing to you in the locks. Believe me, I, I know. I'm still keeping that in mind. You know, last okay. year, you know, this is the – is this the fourth year? This is the fourth year that we have done the locks. Cause I know I won the first two and right. then you won last year. So you finally got yep. one over on me in the locks last year. But yeah, the first couple of years we did the locks, it was over with like six weeks to go. Yeah. You would get the early lead and I just couldn't catch you no matter yep. what I did. Yeah. Then you started very, getting very desperate. Frustrating. So yeah, <laughs> no, that, that whole, that game with the, uh, that game that Matt Stafford played, it was it was abysmal. One touchdown, four picks. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers right here. Not good, not good. Forty forty seven quarterback rating, and and again they couldn't they couldn't run the ball. Their leading rusher had twenty yards, but of course they were down big like right off the bat. So they, of course they weren't going to run. Although again, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It was a, the Lions it was don't run. They can't run the ball. That was a tied game in the third quarter. It was seventeen seventeen. Both of those games, I don't know what happened. They just they just went off the rails in the second half for both teams. I, I certainly can't speak to uh the the uh the Jets and the uh Lions games. I wasn't watching that. Thirty one unanswered points for the for the Jets. 
not. They definitely went off the second line. half. I, I held true to my word. I said, "Don't watch Jets and Lions because that'll ruin oh. your entire evening of football." And I and I held okay. true to that. So I watched the game up to almost halftime because it was on while I was at work. Right. I watched a little bit of the second game, just kind of out of that morbid curiosity, like, oh, some weird shit's going to happen here. And and the Raiders came out, and they did the same thing like the Bears did. It looked like that, you know, John Gruden had spent 10 years scripting that first drive. <laughs> and it was, it was like immaculate. It was like the perfect drive, and the Raiders get the touchdown, and you're like, oh, all right, you know. Wow, this Gruden thing is really going to work. Burger, baby. And then... And then, and then no, the and, and then after, plays and yes, then the actual coaching had to take over, Uh-oh. and it, it uh huh, and it didn't go so well. No, I I agree. That was uh, you brought that up on on the last show, and yeah. I hadn't really noticed it, but you're right. It did look like those were uh, coaches that sat down with their quarterbacks and scripted out the first fifteen and uh-huh. made dotted every I and crossed every T and made sure everything was practiced and practiced over and over again so that we can really look like we're really sharp. And then after that, it's like, ah, the bears did the same thing because yes, the bears jumped out to that big lead over the Packers, but the offensive competency was almost entirely in that first drive. And the creativity as well. And then after that, with actual coaching and play calling, and you didn't have the you know the actual flow of the game, right? The old Mike Tyson, you know, everyone's got a plan until he's punched in the face, right? And then mm-hmm. once that took over, then it didn't go so easy. It didn't flow. And then you know, and then you know, Aaron Rodgers just pulled the, one of the greatest improvisation acts of all time in the second half of that game. I mean, geez, they should they should nickname him MacGyver for what he was doing. He, 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 made a bomb, he made a wire. bomb out of bubbling gum and bailing wire. He sure did it. Yeah, the Chicago wasn't splitting their offensive linemen out wide in the second half. That creativity <laughs> went right out the window. <laughs> and I was excited. I, again, I'm a Bears fan, but Matt Nagy yeah. and, and Mitch Trubisky you were there that, for that. I know. Me and Renard were there for that. No, they looked like they were on the same page and looked like they had really practiced everything, and it, it was very optimistic looking uh, until the second half. Sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah, give them a, a week to recover from that. They, you know, uh, we'll see how they come out Monday night. I'm gonna I'm gonna back off and let them, you know, give them a little space. I'll, I'll let them breathe for one week. <laughs> not a not a not a ton of uh, not a ton of disharmony here this week. I don't think we disagree uh, no. on that many. No, we had some good, nice discussions about the ones that we did disagree on, though. So it's always good uh, debate and conversation about them. Of course, because uh, we both think we both think we're right, and then the game happens. We go, "Oh no, no I was horribly wrong." <laughs> right. Uh, four, five, six, seven. We we were disagreeing well, that's on seven more than I thought. Week. Okay, it's more than I thought. We'll find a way to go four and three or three, three and one on those. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice oh. if I could get a few back. I'd, I'd take a five and two and, and pull back within a game here. That would be nice. Sure you would. But no, the, the overreaction Sunday, uh, I'm I'm not looking forward already to the pregame shows tomorrow because you got to fill up three hours. I won't with get any, so I'm lucky. Oh, okay. Because I'm uh, yeah, driving. I, I usually driving. don't watch any. Yeah, we're going to be driving to Green Bay tomorrow, so – yeah, oh, you get none of that. Yeah, you. Yeah, it's an car. hour and a half. Well, it's an hour and a half drive. I'm sure. I know my wife wants to pack the cooler and go pull, pull out the lawn chairs and 
you know, just enjoy the you smell of all the tailgating. Yeah, you, you have to. It's you like have to. The, in, when you're in Green Bay and it's not 20 below, you have to take advantage yeah. of that. Wait, they do it when it is 20 below. I know they do, but it's not I've, I've been there. Actually, the coldest game I was ever at was eight degrees. That's cold enough. It was it was eight eight degrees with snow flurries and a thirty mile an hour wind in our face. Ah, that's that no, was that that was that that was that Falcons game when they uh, when it was Matt Flynn um, <laughs> started for Aaron Rodgers because he was hurt again and uh, the 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 your guy Frigile. Yeah, the Falcons ended up losing that by like one point. It was a terrible game though, because they they had this spread open offense, and you, you you can't throw the ball into a third. So they had the ball with a chance to go down and kick the game winning field goal, but they were going into the wind. Your run and shoot doesn't look very good in winter. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was the 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 first time I got to see the, this sort of this Matt Ryan thing. The second time I saw Falcons Packers went a lot better for me. <laughs> That. <laughs> that went a lot be a better. A couple, couple of years that ago was, for the yeah, NFC title game. That was the NFC game. title game. That, you know, I have to say, that really felt like that was like one of those once in a lifetime spur of the moment, you know, like, hell, holy shit, let's just buy tickets. We spent $700 on the tickets. That's Not a, each, for both. <laughs> 700 bucks. ordered the tickets right away. You know, my boss was gracious enough. It wasn't a real busy time of year for us to let me get the weekend off. Yeah, that was we, – we caught up with you at the end of that trip. That was just such a whirlwind. That was just fun. That really was one of those sort of like once in the life or the moment things. You just don't get to do very often. So, And I got to go close out the Georgia Dome with my team in a just total blowout victory. Yeah, we, I guess I could have uh, – if we weren't doing the show tonight, I may have – Convinced the wife to mosey downtown here to Memphis to see the uh, the, the Redbirds. Uh, they tonight is a uh, it's game four of the five game series for the Pacific Coast League title, and the Redbirds are up oh. two to one, so they actually could clinch uh, the title tonight. But ah. I, I stayed true to my duties and then stayed decided not to <laughs> postpone the show for something like that. So do you, do you find yourself like secretly rooting for the not so secretly rooting for the Redbirds now? Yeah, I'm actually a fan, yeah. absolutely. Um, but that doesn't necessarily a, make you a Cardinals fan, which, which is good. Well, not necessarily, but I, had, I do you have to can't admit. Be, you can't be friends if you're a White Sox fan and a Cardinals <laughs> fan. That's the deal breaker. Hey, I'd say I, one I'd of them is bad enough. I can I can overlook <laughs> one of them. I don't know if I could handle both. But either way, you know I'm not the typical White Sox or Cardinals fan. You know how much I respect no. the Cubs and, and what they do. Yes, I actually you, give you, them credit you, when they. I don't. They yeah, do you do. you didn't go into like a like a depression when the Cubs won the World Series, or maybe you did. No, no, I didn't. I was watching. You actually, and you appreciated what they had done. Exactly. How, how could you not? If you're a base, if you're a real baseball fan, how could you not appreciate how the way the Cubs uh, did? And did. you know, and I yeah, and they did it with a team that was hard not to like. It wasn't like they had like a team of raging douchebags, you know. Right, There's a team full you of know. guys that love that clearly love playing the game, and, and it's fun yeah, to watch. And it. We're just it makes so it more fun young. to watch. Yeah, and who were just so young and so dumb that they didn't know about like they just they, they did the curse and all that just didn't affect them. Yeah, Javi Baez doesn't care about anything. He's too busy no. being great I, and, and doing what he I does. I was I now you want to talk about a guy that turned me around like a full one eighty. That's Javier Baez. I found him like 
couple of years ago, I would have told you he was the expendable guy on that roster. Like he was the trade yeah. chip. Now he's like their MVP. I yeah. didn't see it coming because he couldn't lay off the, he couldn't lay off the low and away sliders. He couldn't hit for a high of enough average. And now you see him every, and now he's hitting for the average. He's hitting for the power. He's the only guy in the league I can ever score when multiple times in the season can score from first base on a bloop single. Yeah, he's got some sort yeah. of cojones. Man. And he's, he's like got never out. When he, when he pulls those plays off, he's never out. Right, they don't catch him. It's amazing, no. isn't it? Yeah, it's like he's just got the timing, the everything. Did you see the bunt, the, the, the game-winning bunt he had the other day? Yeah. I, I don't know how he dropped that in. But, okay, Joe Madden called for the bunt, and it wasn't the best bunt, but he aimed that thing right out there towards the second baseman, and the first baseman couldn't get over and catch it, and game over. Uh, It gets better. better. I read that uh, Madden didn't call that, that Baez did that himself. Oh, he did it on his own? Yeah, he just saw the opening. Oh, yeah, man. it is, but Tommy just saw it. But again, it. that's the maturity of a player who's not just like you know. Two years ago, he would have just tried to have crushed that ball over the over, over the over the wall. Yeah, but now he's got all sorts of tools in his bag. No, I saw wow. him, of course, when when he was coming up, and and I was amazed that, it, that even then, that some of the stuff that he was doing on the field, he just. Uh, some guys just have it. It's the it factor. If he was a pro wrestler, they would just say he, he's got it. He's got he's got the thing. He's, he's got that factor that just he, he whatever he does, it's magical, and you can't take your eyes off him. And then he's 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 incredible to he's incredible to watch. Any any one of the other twenty nine teams would love to have him uh, on their team. Uh, but yeah, I'm absolutely a fan of the way the Cubs did things. But as far as not being uh, too big of a Cardinals fan, I actually have to say that I would, I'm would, i a little bit of a Cardinals fan just because of so many of these guys that I see down here as Redbirds, when I then see them on the big screen playing for St. Louis, it's, it's almost yeah. like I'm seeing my, my kids. Like, hey, oh, I sure. remember him. He's, he, he was down here at AAA for yeah. three years, and now he's getting a chance. This guy, Patrick Wisdom, that just hit a grand slam, he is uh, – this is his first shot at, at the big leagues this year. I think his – debut was maybe a month ago that guy's like 28 years old man he's been down here for literally oh he's one of those four, yeah he's been down here for literally he's a Casey four, five Blake years. type <laughs> yeah man just playing this minor league ball and earning that shitty salary that they get and um, eating at McDonald's <laughs> yeah. and wondering is, is he ever going to get the chance and finally through all the injuries he gets the chance and he's actually uh hit some homers and taking advantage of yeah. it so it's like you know yeah. guys that you've seen forever down here now and you see him on TV playing in the in the big games in the big leagues, yeah. like oh that guy, man, he I know how hard he worked because he's been playing down here forever. So well, and if, and if the way you've that. if the way you've touted these guys on the show holds for him, he is going to have a devastating injury tomorrow. <laughs> he, not everyone is Shohei Otani. Not everyone gets destroyed the moment. <laughs> oh, who's the Cardinals him. guy you killed this year? The pitcher. Uh, Reyes. Uh, yeah. Oh, Alex man. He, he got the call up. And he, he's the shit. He's going to be awesome. And then, like, oh, season-ending surgery, like, two days later. And you I killed said... Otani, too. I still don't know why Otani is playing. Why is Otani playing? I didn't understand yeah. the pitching thing at all. We didn't talk about that. But you want to talk about somebody who's trying to get himself fired? That's Mike Sosha. 
Why did they let him try to pitch again this year? I do not know. You got le- collateral ligament damage, and <laughs> you instead of shutting him down, you have him rehab enough to go back out there on a the mound, and he pitches two innings, and his fastball yeah. goes from 99 to 92. By the time and, the third and, inning comes, and, 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 and by the next day, it's like, yeah, he blew his elbow out, and uh, he's going to have to have Tommy John surgery, and he's only going to be out. But he's going to hit next year. Well, why is he still hitting but this we, year? Why isn't he I getting the surgery had, and starting uh, to recover now? When we so the, so here's the thing: we talked about this with Otani when we devoted a lot of time to him on one of our shows, it, and we said something was going to force him to choose, right? Either the league yeah. was going to react to or his but I think he's going to be forced to choose. I think he probably ends up a right fielder. I don't think that he's going to sustain a career just being a DH. He's too good to just DH. I think he's going to be a, I think he's going to be a position player. Because they're going to want that bat in the lineup more often than not. I think his impact is probably bigger offensively and playing a position. He's pro- My guess is he's probably a pretty amazing fielder, too. Uh, once he can throw again, I, I see him, I, you know, if I got my crystal ball out here, I see him transitioning to a, a position player. I think they're going to give up on the pitching. They're definitely going to need to give up on this, this two-way thing. I, I think That's I great. agree he with proved you could, He proved he could do it. That's great. You could be, be a Babe Ruth kid. Great. Wonderful. But we want you to have a long career, and we want to be able to watch you. I think you're going to be at, you're going to be at Sports Center a whole hell of a lot more as a hitter. 50 strikeouts and 15 home runs in the same season. Him and Ruth yeah. are the only ones. Uh, that's, yes, we uh, that's did it. Still... We did it. Great. Awesome. Good job, kid. Pick something. <laughs> Can't do both. Still incredible that he did. That's still an yeah. incredible year. Um, I think I agree that he's going to have to choose one or the other. I still don't know if it's going to be hitting or pitching. First of all, we won't know how good of a fielder he is because of the surgery. That means he can't well, play exactly. the field for a year. Yeah. He's going to have to uh, and, DH for a whole season. Right. And he'll probably so when, be awesome. So when his arm is such that he could possibly play the field, that also will mean his arm is such that he can go pitch again. And he was so fucking great at pitching that I don't know if they're going to give that up. He was awesome. He wasn't just pretty good as a pitcher. He was, for whatever time that was, a month and a half, two months, yeah. one of the best pitchers in the American League by whatever metric you want to judge. Sure. And but it, I don't know how you give that up. I really don't. I, I think he's got to choose. If he I wants to sustain a career, too. I don't think that he's going to be able to do this whole hitting and pitching and and trying to, you know, transition from one to the other, and then you're going to have more rest days. I think you, I, I think that that they're just going to end up and then it's on the Angels. So maybe they will tell him to be a pitcher when he can pitch because God knows they don't have any pitchers. But even but if they did, it, it was or... it was I was I found myself angry at the fact that they were throwing him out there. A completely meaningless team. They're in not they're not in a chase for anything. I don't even know why they would begin for one minute to try to throw him out there with with uh, was it UCL damage already in the arm? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he lasted two innings, and then oh yeah, it's toast. And you don't even – I don't think you love him anywhere near as much as I do, and you were getting angry, so you can imagine how I, I was, I was feeling. It was more of the abusiveness of it. It, 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 it right. was – that's what I found upsetting. It was like, are you just cashing in? I mean, what are you doing here? 
I mean, you're just sending is, a guy out there as much yeah. as, as as his body will allow him to be sent out there for you. Yeah. Just just using him. Yeah. I agree. So it, I, 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 that's what that's what I got upset about. That that it was useless. It was it was it was abusive and pointless and useless. And we're just trying to we just trying to sell some tickets. I mean, obviously you're trying to make money and you're a business, but it, it well, was. I don't, even, uh, I don't even. I don't know what, like that. Yeah, I think I just, just don't know what they're trying thinking. to get as many W's under his yeah. belt as he possibly can. He's gonna get fired. All, I think he's done. That, but they, but he's trying to do what he thinks is what what it will take to not get fired. And now I'm done. Just trying to get as many W's as many different ways as he can. So it, I think it's really all about just he's an old school manager and he's just trying to win. That's all he thinks that that he cares about is just win. He doesn't care about the future development of Otani. But by the time Otani is is peaking in, in you know twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, Sochi won't be around then anyway. So he's just trying to get as many wins as he can now. Yeah, That's all that was. No, I get it. I mean, I get it. It's still stupid. Yeah. I mean, even when I saw the blurb that he was rehabbing and that they, and then I'm like, that's great that you're rehabbing. But when they actually were like, yeah, hey, we're going to have him start. I was like, Oof. you know, for who, for what? I mean, it's, it's that, <laughs> what are you I doing? I was surprised too. Yeah. And uh, it was a, it was a stunning disaster. And he's out there, he's out there raking again, hitting bombs, yeah, stealing was- bases. That was the other surprising thing is after he does that kind of damage, he's DHing the very next night. I was like, "What?" Apparently Jeez. the apparently what you need to do to throw a ninety mile an hour fastball, you don't need to do to hit home runs. Uh, evidently, or he's hitting them one armed. No, he's but, swinging with both arms. I'm looking at him. It just I, no, I know you know what I mean. The other arm might just be along for the ride. <laughs> I just don't know why they're insisting on doing that, but I think that's he's so stealing bases. He's hitting for average. He's got he's hitting a home run. It seems like every other day now. Him and Trout went back to back today. Um, they could have been using him for that for a while and just in selling as many tickets. You're gonna get to see him every day. Hey, do you want to see him every day or every fifth day? That's all I'm saying. I, I understand. Huh, so. Uh... Baseball winding down. Got uh, a couple weeks left. Yeah, two two uh, two weeks from from tomorrow is weeks. the end of the season. Okay. Yeah. So, so you got what's, uh, what's everything looking like as as it breaks down? You know, Boston and the uh, American League looking like world beaters, and uh, the National I still, League. You know, I, I, people are sort of sleeping on uh, Houston. <laughs> It 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 is it a series, you know, that that's not that's no easy that 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 doesn't mean that Boston is just this fate accompli and then Boston's just gonna roll over the Astros. Um I don't see that necessarily no, Cleveland's the one that's like, meh. If if Cleveland gets Bauer back healthy, they could surprise somebody. But that's a big if that that's, you know, and, and, and Bauer's injury was not arm related. It was a chipped bone in his shin. And the word is that he may actually be able to get a start or two in before the end of the season. Um, but maybe one, but they want him ready for the playoffs completely. But obviously you want to have him go out there and even if it's on a limited basis, go out there and, and get a few innings under his belt before the, you don't want him just going cold into the postseason. So I understand what they're doing with him. So he's rehabbing, uh, and he's pretty close to being back, but I, I, he was their best pitcher. So if they're able to add him back into the fold and be effective, they, they, they got the arms 
they've got the bullpen arms and they've got the arms on the on the front end to to do some damage. But everybody's sort of overlooking them. But I think because the Red Sox have been so good, people are overlooking the Astros, who are probably still the most talented team in the league. So I don't think it's just pencil in the Red Sox for the World Series. I'm not saying they won't get there. I just don't think it's going to be this just you know destiny, a journey of destiny for them. No, that's why baseball is so beautiful is because yeah. the team can be world beaters for the regular season, get into a five-game, sure. seven-game situation, and just another team out-schemes them or another team shows how that their talent is, is on the same level. It just seems like Boston is over everything right now because of how unbelievably dominant – uh, those two guys in the in the middle of the of the order are I guess Mookie yeah. Betts is the leadoff hitter so he's not really he in the is. middle, uh, but but him and J D Martinez seem like they homer every day and no one can 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 figure out a way to get either one of them out so uh, you just extrapolate that to the playoffs but of course when the playoff starts they're facing much better pitchers on a nightly basis and they're much less likely to do the damage that they've been doing now. So that comes into play at that point. Then it's up to uh, whoever Xander Bogarts, uh, Rafael Devers is up to those other guys to pick yeah. up the slack. Uh, once they get to the, the, the better starting pitching. And if those guys don't pick it up, then it's like, okay, now what do we do? We see that yeah, every and the way year. It's- the way it's shaping up right now, it's Boston is going to be the number one seed. They're going to play the wild card winner. So Boston is going to get the Yankees or the A's. Still patting myself on my back for the A's, by the way, still. Um, Those slugging A's. Yeah, they're doing it the exact way I said they'd do it, too, because they can't pitch much. They pitch a little, but and that team can't hit. can't hit for average at all. No, but when they hit, it goes a long way. Hit ball go far. Ball go far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> but you know, but that's their move. I mean, it's the Yankees' move too. The Yankees don't pitch, so that's going to be a fun wild card game. I hate the one game playoff. The, you know, I hate it with a passion. But that should be a fun game. I, I, that could be a nine eight kind of game. With the eighteen pitching changes. Uh. Maybe we'll have openers. Maybe they won't even start a starter, and we'll just have bullpen arms going out there. Just, just go right to the bullpen. Just don't even well, I mean, I, fart around. I, those, both of those teams have shit for starters. We you just can't start Severino. He's been one of the worst pitchers in the American League since the break. Can't start Sonny Gray. Can't start uh, CC. No, no, can't start Chocolate King. Uh, uh, God, I was at Hiroki Kuroda. That's Tanaka. <laughs> one of them. One of those, you know what I'm talking about. One of them guys. One of those Japanese Yankee pitchers. <laughs> Hiroki Kuroda. Oh, my God. Where did you pull Hiroki Kuroda? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's going the first back. name that popped into my mind. It was like I said it, but I knew I, I had Tanaka in my head, but I said Hiroki Kuroda. <laughs> uh, no, Tanaka. I, I, he's probably the guy. He's probably the starter. I have no idea. Hideki Irabu. Hideki Irabu. Oh, my God. I've got to say, if you're Oakland, you start Mike Fires. Uh, yeah. I, what a pickup. How, how about that for a midseason uh, acquisition that's under the radar? Yeah. He's been, he's I've been, been I have been reaping the benefits of Mike Fires all year on our fantasy team. That's all I'm going to say. 
for a guy that nobody drafted, he has been rock steady all year long. But yeah, he he can't lose uh, in the second half for them. I don't think he's lost yet, um, or if he has, it wasn't in a bad. It wasn't a you know all of his starts are quality starts. So if you know that you've got a guy you can pencil him in for six innings plus, then he's only going to give up two runs. Uh, he's their best pitcher right now. I, so I, I would say if I'm managing both of those teams, I am lining that game up to be Tanaka versus Fires, With maybe a nod to Edwin Jackson, but he just scares me too much. But he's been really good yeah, for them in the second half. He, hard to he, trust him. Yes, he doesn't have any track record of doing this, but he's been really good for them. But again, that's a lot, yeah. how much of that's ballpark factor too. Well, of course. Edwin Jackson strikes me as the kind of guy who, if they gave him the nod, would give up like seven earned and seven <laughs> earned runs in an inning and a third. I don't know why. Maybe that's my Edwin Jackson bias because you know he was terrible for the Cubs. He's played. I think he's played for every team in baseball. Right. I was about to say he's got such a history because he's been around forever that anyone yeah. who puts any faith in him eventually he will break your heart. Right. So if the, if he's the wild card game starter, Yankees are going to the next round of the playoffs. The NL. But uh, Brewers lost today, so I, uh, Cubs got another game back in the standings. So they're two and a half up now uh, with two weeks to go. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Um, you know, you kept saying how laughable I it did was shit the all over the Brewers. Trying to go for anything. And why are they trading for anybody? It, I, they're just I, setting themselves it, back. Yeah. They just keep putting a scare in the Cubs. I'll tell you still – why I'm worried. Now, if the Brewers go to the World Series, I'll eat it all. I'll eat all the shit I have to. But the thing is with the Brewers is every move they've made has been pretty much, other than some, a few bullpen arms, most of their moves are still geared towards hitting. And we know that hitting can wilt in the playoffs. You can get shut down. Good pitching will always shut down good hitting in the playoffs. Then it starts to boil down to, can your starters go deep enough? Are you going to wear out your bullpen? They have a decent bullpen. Well, they have they have guys in the bullpen who've held up. I mean, Hater's really good. I mean, you know, for what he is, he's still a good pitcher. Uh, but I don't trust I don't trust Jeremy Jeffress or Xavier Cedeno. I don't trust these guys. They don't have sure. the track record. So I don't trust Joe Kim Soria if he's even still around. I thought he got hurt. Uh, Corey Knable used to be their closer. He was terrible. You certainly can't trust someone they had to demote. Or Dan Jennings. I mean, this is what they have slapped together as a bullpen. Most of them are ex-White Sox pitchers. That should tell you something right there. Kiss of death. Soria, <laughs> Jennings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Xavier Cedeno. No, that's, that was such a short period. I don't even remember it. He was there this year, too. Um, so that bullpen is, you know, outside of, 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 of Hader. That, that bull, you know, if he doesn't pitch, that bullpen is really susceptible. And then when and then when Craig Council does pitch him, he pitches him too long. He pitches him two innings, so then he's burned out for the next game. All right. So I still don't trust the Brewers, but there's no denying that that offense of theirs just rakes. Yeah, they've definitely got a lot of uh, talents, and they but do they just rake the season them? rake? That's what I wonder about. Well, this is just what, yeah, that's that. But we won't know until the playoffs start. And if they don't win the division, they how do we know they just don't get booted out in the one game playoff? Yeah, all, all, everything is up for grabs. I just still am impressed that they're even this close because I thought by now they'd be eight yeah. games out. And right now, is that still lining up 
uh, with the Cardinals or the Cardinals slipped? I think the Cardinals have slipped. Okay. Let me let me take a look here at the wild card standings here in the last few minutes. Uh, well, right now it's Colorado who has snuck in a game, a half a game ahead of mm-hmm. St. Louis. Yeah, it's all bunched up. I know that. Yeah. Well, wouldn't that be a fun matchup, Milwaukee? There's a 14-13 game for you. <laughs> and you uh, pretty again, much know, and if it ends up being the Cardinals, teams. if it ends up being the Cardinals, you just basically make sure that you just throw the first pitch of the game right into Matt Carpenter's face, and you'll win the game. <laughs> uh, you don't even have to do that now. He's, he's, he's cooled off uh, considerably from what he was doing. Okay. Well, obviously, since they have slipped quite a bit here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Colorado right now, with their zero run differential, <laughs> is uh, <laughs> just barely stuck into the uh, second wild card spot. And Oakland, is, they got to be in. They're eight games ahead of the next closest teams. Yeah, yeah that's over. That would be a monumental collapse if Seattle or Tampa – Oh, Tampa yeah. cannot make the playoffs. No, no. But the fact that they're even halfway successful with that stupid strategy just means uh, we're going to see more of it. Yeah, we, I've started to see other teams trying it. Mm-hmm. Awful, awful, yeah. awful, awful. Yeah. Pretty, it, it, you know. Yeah, let's just not develop any starting pitchers and just play bullpen games every day. Silliness. So yeah, so that's setting that is setting up for uh, Cleveland and Houston uh, to play each other right out of the gate. I mean, they're great, just great matchups right out in in you know. And this is what we get with the second wild card now is you're almost guaranteed you're going to get pretty good matchups in in every in every series. So the Cubs are going to get the winner of potentially a Brewers uh, Rockies or a Brewers Cardinals matchup right away. I don't think the Cubs want any part of the Brewers. And I don't know if anyone is going to want any part of Atlanta eventually because when they get that, they you talk about a team that's so young, they don't care about anything. They just, yeah, they don't know what they're doing. No, they don't give a damn. Yeah, this is again, this is another. This to me feels like another one where it's a year too soon. We had this with the Astros, we had it with the Cubs, where everything develops a little too quickly. And they ascend to the great heights, but they just don't get quite all the way there. But I, I, I'll be all on board with Atlanta next year. I believe I will be as well. They're, they're, yeah. they're really fun, especially that Acuna what kid. They, Holy cow. What they need to do is get that postseason. They need to get that taste of how it's different. And then, and then, that like with the Cubs and the Astros, it's like you got the taste. Then you wanted more. And then that's what makes you hungry is you now you want to get to that next level. And we saw that with both of those teams. And Atlanta reminds me as of, of a team that's being set up much similarly to the way that the Cubs and the Astros did it. So I think Atlanta just needs to get that taste. They they may very well get to the CS. Uh, they might get to the league championship series and, you know, and, and, and go out and may, may, maybe not even, maybe even be an unceremonious exit, but they'll get that taste. And I think that's what they need. All right, well, a couple of weeks, and that'll be something to look forward to, the baseball playoffs starting. Yeah. As far as tomorrow, week two in the NFL, overreaction Sunday, we're all we're, we're there for that. We are all there for that, and you're going to especially be there for that live uh, at Lambeau Field on the frozen tundra of 80-degree of Lambeau Field. So I'm sure you guys are going to have a lot of fun at that. I'm ready.
All right. Uh, do you, unless you had anything else, I think we can check out. No, I'm I'm ready to get to bed. I've had a long week. Yep, I hear you. All right, uh, Tuesday uh, nine o'clock is going to be good for our recap. Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday I work, so okay. I can I can do Tuesday. I just would probably have to do ten. All right. Well, we'll tentatively plan for that. <laughs> 